Welcome back to the Movie Dicks Podcast. I'm Gabriel Chavez. And I am Paul Schendel. Today we excavate the 2008 caveman movie known as 10,000 BC. But first, this is a comedy podcast. If you've not seen the movie we're about to shit on and you want to avoid spoilers, stop now. But if you don't care about spoilers and want to laugh and learn why this movie sucks so bad, jump into the dig pit with us and hand me that matic. There's some hard-packed bullshit I gotta remove if we're gonna unearth this thing. Without further ado, let's hand it over to Pablo Francisco. In the prehistoric past, Delay is a mammoth hunter who bonds with the beautiful Evelette. When warriors on horseback capture Evelette and the tribesmen, Delay must embark on an odyssey to save his true love. Apparently the term prehistoric means we can make up whatever the fuck we want and make it into a movie. <laughs> That's right, man. <laughs> well, don't they they don't even call it mammoths in the movie, right? Like they call it like uh fanatics, whatever the fuck, yeah. But in the in the in the log line they call it a mammoth, but they don't ever say it in the fucking movie. I'm just confused. 10,000 BC is a Warner Brothers release through Legendary Pictures, Centropolis Entertainment, and Moonlighting Films. As with Black Hat, this movie was made and released by the same people that is say we should all remember that they are responsible for clash of the titans and wrath of the titans so in the words of game of thrones shame shame <laughs> shame you can get my bell out i know man i wish i had a bell <laughs> the odd steal man a clip here oh man dude that woman died like just after i wrote this fucking like opening she just died that or no was it no 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 no. i'm sorry not that woman but uh the woman that played the eldest of what the fuck is the name of that house the old bitch that was like trying to uh like needle everybody halfway through the fourth and fifth season she had that young hot daughter that was like yeah, uh, yeah the uh what the fuck is her that. name <laughs> See, look, think about this for a second. This is the most, you, you read the books, right? Yeah. All right, so you read the books and you watched the most like popular TV show of all time in the world and neither one of us can remember this fucking basic thing because the ending of that show was so goddamn terrible it just made us fucking hate everything that had come before it. <laughs> the the odd man out here is Centropolis Productions. Centropolis has done all of Roland Emmerich's movies, including Midway, which is a lackluster and poorly researched World War II movie. The Patriot with Mel Gibson, which I actually like a lot, despite its myriad of problems and inaccuracies. I mean, the fucking Tomahawk you mean no. You mean Braveheart 2? Yeah, Braveheart 2, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the Day After Tomorrow, which I think is the most lukewarm movie about global warming. Can I use that pun yet? Can I, I hate the wolves. <laughs> like, the thing I hate the most about that movie is the wolves. Like, I know, I know. CG, You've talked about this before. <laughs> the CG wolves. They're like the velociraptors somehow that escape from the zoo. Which is Fuck you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck you with that brick. <laughs> Anyway, 2012, uh, they also did 2012, which is an overly long end all disaster movie where they can decide or they can't decide how the world will end. So they just throw everything in it. And they did Independence Day, which is the most American movie, in my opinion. Every fucking sloppy film technique and trope of American film made it into one movie and it's called Independence Day. 
America. Yet, it's a German director. How do you? Fucking, I know. I how do you know, that? man. <laughs> Dude, this guy. This guy is like a fucking enigma unto himself. Like he's a German director, and he does the most American filmmaking. He's also like openly gay, and he did a movie called uh, Stonewall about the the Stonewall uprising, and it is the most like pandering factually inaccurate like thing about the most historically important like gay rights uprising in the fucking country and he fucked that up too and i'm like dude what is with what is your fucking representation <laughs> man like what fucking community are you a part of because it doesn't seem like he gives a shit about any of it but i don't know maybe that's exactly it he doesn't care about any of this which is why he makes movies the way that he does yeah but they also did White House Down, which is proof Channing Tatum's career needs a heart transplant. Independence Day 2, a.k.a. Resurgence, which I have not seen. Shout out New Mexico Film. That. I know. As well as Eight-Legged Freaks with David Arquette and Stonewall, which is one of the most reductive and poorly researched films about LGBTQIA rights, which I find particularly terrible in that Roland Emmerich is once again openly gay. Moonlighting Films produced some great movies over the years, including the all-time action classic Mad Max Fury Road, one of the all-time best action movies ever made, if not the best. There, I said it. It is quite possibly the best action movie ever made, flat out. They also gave us the excellent Black Panther, Rest in Power, Chadwick Boseman. God damn, dude, what a shock it was to see that he died Friday before last. Mm. Like... To think that the man was sick with stage four colon cancer while filming all these fucking Marvel movies is just incredible. Yeah. Like, Strong doesn't even begin to describe him, dude. Yeah, like, it's crazy. fucking mind-blowing. feel like I need to go get one of those colorectal scan things now. These people also produced Ron Fricky's Samsara, which is quite frankly one of the most incredible and breathtakingly beautiful documentaries I've ever seen. If you haven't seen it or its predecessor, Baraka, you're fucking up. They are required viewing for everyone <laughs> on Earth, and it should be required viewing in schools everywhere. They did the episode Nosedive from Black Mirror with Bryce Dallas Howard, which, again, if you aren't watching this show, stop listening to this podcast now and watch it on Netflix. It's one of the all-time great TV shows, like, flat out. I fucking love that show. Have you seen that, dude, Black Mirror? Oh, man. How how could you have not seen it, man? I figured that was one that yeah. would have come across your, uh, your fucking stack by now. Yeah. Ah, oh, dude. Uh, TV, uh, <laughs> try to avoid it, especially uh, when I have things to do, which is most of the time. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, like each one of the seasons, like there's there's five five seasons now, but each one of the seasons is like three to six episodes. It's not like a full American season, you know. Oh, okay. Like some some of the episodes are like ninety minutes. So, but mm. it's uh it's fucking great, dude. Like I I can't speak highly enough about that. The first episode is about this terrorist that like takes the uh, the prime minister's daughter hostage and says that the only way that he can get her back is that if he fucks a pig on live television without any cuts <laughs> and otherwise he's going to cut her head off and leave it in the middle of the fucking river or whatever. And nice. it's ever like that's their fucking pilot, dude. And I was like, <laughs> God damn, <laughs> going for the throat, man. But yeah, it's great. It's like it's like the Twilight Zone, and that every episode is like a different like sci-fi story, but it's entirely based upon like 
how technology is like fucking up the human condition and it's it's yeah. really brilliant dude you got to check it out man they also gave us the excellent blood diamond with leo jamon hanu and jennifer connelly as well as michael mann's muhammad ali biopic with the excellent performance from big willie and an even more incredible performance from Jamie Foxx. Seriously, watch this movie if you haven't. On the terrible side, unfortunately, they have made a lot more terrible movies. <laughs> Blended with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. Beyond Borders with Angelina Jolie and Clive Owen. The Giver with Jeff Bridges and Meryl Streep. The Tomb Raider reboot with Alicia Vikander. The ultraviolent but stupid Neil Marshall flick Doomsday. Side note, if you haven't seen The Descent by this man, just holy fuck, that's a great movie, man. Oh, everyone everyone talks about his work on Game of Thrones with the Battle of the Bastards, but seriously, The Descent is incredible in every single fucking way. It's a classic movie, yeah. man. I keep trying to get my wife to watch that, and she just, <laughs> she'll never watch it. It's too bad. My wife's seen it, but my, my, favorite, my favorite person ever showing that movie to was our, our episode six co-host, Trip. He came over to my house when I was living with Matt and I had like a, a bootleg copy of it that I bought on eBay from this guy in um, in the UK because it came out like a year before American cinemas in the UK. So I got like this DVD of it from this guy in the UK on eBay and I showed it to Trip, and Trip was like literally sitting on the love sack in the front room like curled up and like hiding his eye and like everything, every time something horrible would happen, he'd like literally scream like a fucking <laughs> child. <laughs> It's hilarious. He he's still that way with horror movies, man. He's fucking yep. terrible when it comes to horror movies. <laughs> but they they also gave us the fucking awful biopic Amelia about Amelia Earhart with Hillary Swank. Maybe we should do a biopic sometime, Paul, oh, like no, or a, a history idea. flick. <laughs> <laughs> the goddamn unwatchable travesty known as Ask the Dust from Chinatown scribe Robert Town. Seriously, what the fuck was this movie about dude like i i am so confused every time i think about that movie i'm like what what's the goddamn story here man like <laughs> i don't know what the fuck's happening but rounding out the bad flicks they have done is 2017's the mummy with tom cruise mm. which is just an unwatchable <laughs> pile of monkey shit that i can't even begin to describe how much i hate how do you think tom cruise got roped into that I don't know, dude. Like, there, there's a thing about Tom Cruise, right? Like, he's been in a lot of bad movies over the years, but even his bad movies are, like, products of the system, you know, and you can kind of yeah. see, like, whatever. The Mummy, it's just like, what the fuck, man? Like, <laughs> how did he... How, did somebody blackmail him into being in this movie? Like, how the fuck did he sign up for this? Yeah. But it, it is really well made, I'll give it that, and there is this, like, mummy sequence that's underwater that's kind of entertaining, but... You know, other than that, it's <laughs> yeah, it's fucking it's unbelievable. But I think it's worth mentioning that I fucking hate ninety percent of what Roland Emmerich has done. I don't hate his work in the same way that I hate Michael Bay as a blockbuster director. Rather, I hate his work because I think he is like Paul W. S. Anderson. He has simply no business at being a filmmaker. But I'll get to that in a minute. There are 14 producers to blame here, but I'll only focus on Sarah Bradshaw, William Fay, and Mark Gordon. Sarah produced the abomination that I mentioned known as The Mummy, as well as Robert Downey Jr.'s money laundering operation known as Doolittle, the two Huntsman movies In the Heart of the Sea, Maleficent, 
and Miami Vice. While I've said before that I don't mind Miami Vice, it's not a good movie. Her sole exception in her trash filmography as a producer is Syriana, the movie that won George Clooney his Oscar and led to him taking credit for the civil rights movement while glad-handing everybody in Hollywood who consider themselves a liberal (laughs) do-gooder. It's a good movie, and I love George Clooney for the most part, but that speech was a bit self-aggrandizing and smug and and the sole cause of smug that destroys South Park. You've seen that episode. (laughs) William Fay is an interesting producer who is one of the producers who upheld Legendary. While he did do The Town, Trick or Treat, which is a fucking badass movie once again, and The Hunted, which I think is an unfairly reviewed movie. That's the Benicio Del Toro, Tommy Lee Jones flick about the, uh, the fucking special ops guy that goes nuts with the knives like cutting hunters mm. apart in the fucking Oregon forest. Mm, have you seen great. that, dude? No, no, I haven't. <laughs> oh man. Have to it's out. it's so beautiful and like it's it's got it's like one of the most expertly crafted in terms of the fight scenes because they had like real Navy SEAL guys and like Mick Gould yeah. come in in order to talk Sweet. about how you would cut somebody apart in order to keep them from fucking screaming and whatnot. <laughs> and it's it's brutal, but it's like it's directed by uh William Friedkin, you know, the guy that did the French connection. And it's and uh, Benicio and Tommy are great in it, dude. It's just like it's a fucking very unusual movie, and it's very specific because it's like that slow-paced action rather than yeah. you know the quick slam bang shit. But it's like unfairly reviewed by the critics. I think it's <laughs> actually a dope movie. But William Fay also gave us Godzilla with Matthew Broderick, which is uh-huh. like Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, bad, bad movie. But he did do, he also did The Shaggy Dog with Tim Allen, which is a 2006 Tim Allen family comedy movie. What the fuck? Like, this is like at least 10 years past its prime, and he thought that that movie would fly. But on top of it being a fucking remake. But he also did Superman Returns, which all but guaranteed Superman would suck from here on out. Beer Fest, shout out New Mexico Film again, and thank (laughs) God Broken Lizard doesn't exist anymore because fuck you guys. And Sucker Punch, the worst movie I saw in 2011. And I saw saw, that year, I saw Jack and Jill, Bucky Larson, and Human (laughs) Centipede 2, all of which are on the bottom 100 on IMDb and all came out in 2011. Lastly, for the producers let's chat about mark gordon mark has given us some classics straight up he produced saving private ryan the messenger with woody harrelson and ben foster the excellent steve jobs the movie source code with jake gyllenhaal a simple plan with billy bob thornton as well as speed and broken arrow dude like he's done some classics in his time (laughs) but but he did give us some real crushers in the relic the Jackal oh, with Richard on. Gere. The what? Relic? Come on. The Relic? Oh, come fuck on. you, dude. <laughs> it's on Amazon right now. I was watching it the other day. It's classic. It's classic. <laughs> it's a bad movie, dude. But he, he, also, he also did The Jackal with Richard Gere, which is like a horrible ripoff of Leon the Professional, and it fucking yeah. sucks. Yeah, uh, he also did Hard Fucking Rain, Paul. So oh, there's no. that. Oh, no. <laughs> And he did. Uh, he also did a movie called Polly, which uh, you remember that talking bird movie that came out in 1998 with the parrot? I do not recall. Oh, God. Yeah, that was another one that he did. But he also did Black Dog with Patrick Swayze, <laughs> Virus with Jamie Lee Curtis and Donald Sutherland, The League of the Extraordinary Gentlemen, <laughs> the Disney flick that they put absolutely no money into advertising known as The Nutcracker in the Four Realms, 
and of course one of the all-time worst speed to cruise control which continually comes oh, up geez. episode to episode i don't know how that fucking movie has pervaded like half of our episodes it just keeps coming up speed yeah. to cruise control yeah, that's there's terrible. too many too many people that are involved in that bad movie <laughs> 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 Maybe we're gonna have to uh, do that one. <laughs> oh God! Maybe I, it was I just an excuse for everyone involved to go down to the tropics and hang out at a resort for six months while they were filming it. You know? I mean, it could be like uh, like the tourist. What happened with the tourist? <laughs> but this movie stars no one. That's it. No one. The biggest name, other than Omar Sharif as the narrator, is Cliff uh... Curtis. Yeah, Omar Sharif, bud, but but Stephen uh, he can't Strait. do any wrong. I can't, I can't rag on Omar Sharif. He I'm not, I'm ass. not gonna rag on Omar Sharif. <laughs> Doesn't make this movie any better. But no. Stephen Strait, <laughs> Stephen Strait plays the main guy, uh, Delay. He's a white guy that was born in New York City, but here he plays an indigenous person who somehow knows English, which is really fucking bizarre for this whole movie. <laughs> but side note, have you seen Quest for Fire yet? That's how you make a fucking prehistoric movie roll yeah. in, you goddamn hack. <laughs> Steven was in Sky High opposite the legend that is Bruce Campbell, the god-awful fantasy flick known as The Covenant, which also, side note, is directed by Rennie Harlan, who has given us some of cinema's all-time worst movies, including Driven with Stallone, Cutthroat Island that almost killed a studio, <laughs> as well as part one of The Exorcist, The Beginning. I, I I just want to talk about this for a second. Have you have you ever seen The Exorcist: The Beginning, Paul? I have Was, not. No. Okay, so this is really weird, dude. This is like one of those weird moments in Hollywood history that I don't know how the fuck this happened. But they made Rennie Harlan's movie called Exorcist: The Beginning, right? And the studio saw it and they hated it so much that they scrapped the release in theaters for a straight to DVD release, and they fucking hired Paul Schrader, the writer of Taxi Driver to make another movie. They literally financed it again with the same <laughs> cast, and it's called Dominion wow. is the name of the other one. So they came out the same year. It's got uh, Stellan Skarsgård playing Father Merrill in both of them, but it's so fucking weird, dude. Like, seriously, read about why these two movies exist and then watch yeah. them. It's really, really incredible that it happened, and it's one of those weird things that nobody talks about, and I'm like, dude, they literally hated it so much that they hired another guy to do it again. Like, <laughs> it's really fucking bad. But, I mean, I, I like Dominion a lot more than I like Exorcist mm. the Beginning, but Exorcist the Beginning is more violent, like splatter-type shit, yeah, which nice. is kind of interesting. Right. Mr. Straight was also in Stop Loss, a gutless anti-war movie from Boys Don't Cry Ma Maestro, Kimberly Pierce. I wanted so badly to like this movie, but it's just so blasé that I completely forgot it. After Stop Loss, he's been in six movies that I've only heard of one of them. The rest have like 30 votes each on IMDb, so for all intents and purposes, his career was over after 10,000 BC. No, no, he's in, uh, he's in The Expanse, man. Oh, wait, you watch that? Yeah, that's an awesome ah, show. Shit. You should watch it, check it out. <laughs> I haven't seen that, yeah. No, I've, it's a I've good been, show. I've been good sort of... I've been sort of keeping that on the back burner for a while, and I'm not sure whether it's something I really wanted to embrace yet. So I've just been like waiting on that one. No, nah, check it out. He's he Stephen Stray's pretty good in it. I think there's actually more interesting characters in that whole series than him, but uh, okay. he does a decent enough job. And but the overall plot is like that's the meat of why you want to watch it because the plot's pretty fucking sweet. Okay, check it out. All watch right, it. Yeah. 
Get off your dick and watch it. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll watch that after I watch the three other things that I was going to watch this weekend. Uh, Camila Bell plays Evelette, Stephen Strait's main squeeze in the flick. She was in The Lost World, perhaps Spielberg's worst movie at the age of 10. She was also in The Patriot, the Steven Seagal version, not the Mel Gibson version. The excellent... Excellent movie, Ballad of Jack and Rose with Daniel Day-Lewis. The terrible remake of When a Stranger Calls by the same name. The terrible action movie known as Push with Dakota Fanning and Chris Evans. And a movie called From Prada to Nada. No idea what the fuck that is, but I don't want to know what that is. A comedy. She was also in a comedy called Caveman and a bunch of other shit, all with 30s or below on Metacritic, so... Oh. Again, who cares? Like, her entire career has been a critical shortfall. But anyway, Cliff Curtis is an absolute legend. I cannot tell you how much I love this man and his talent. He's unbelievably talented, but acts in just about anything, even though he's better than that. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't pick and choose. No, he doesn't. He's a, he's a Kiwi actor, but can play just about anything, as evidenced by his fantastic and menacing turn as Smiley in Training Day. The guy that puts Ethan Hawke in a bathtub and threatens to blast him in the face. Yeah. He's fucking great in that movie. But he was in the Oscar-winning movie called The Piano, the absolutely brutal and heartbreaking movie called Once Were Warriors, which I believe is unimpeachable and an absolute must-see if you have a strong stomach. Seriously, that movie fucked me up. But (laughs) I remember talking to some New Zealanders at a bar and I was like, oh, man, Lord of the Rings is so cool. And they're like, you know, if you want a real, like, New Zealand movie, you should watch We Were Once Warriors. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. That's, that's fucked up. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's way fucked up, dude. Like, that is something else. But he was also in uh, Three Kings, which we keep coming back to for more than just the fact that I love this movie. Martin Scorsese's Bringing Out the Dead. Michael Mann's incredible movie The Insider. Blow with Johnny Depp, the incredible movie Whale Rider, which, side note, I am saddened by director Nikki Cairo making Mulan. It's an absolute waste of time. If you haven't seen it, do not see the new Mulan movie. Fuck this stupid bullshit remake <laughs> assholeness from Disney. Two of my all-time favorite sci-fi movies in Sunshine and The Fountain, as well as the messy but well-performed movie Crossing Over. However... He is also in The Last Airbender, Shyamalan's horrifyingly bad movie. Yeah, what is there to say about that, man, other than (laughs) what the fuck? Collateral damage with Arnold and the misunderstood Frank Darabont movie The Majestic, which is extremely unfairly reviewed. Oh, and the classically bad movie Deep Rising. Oh, man, we should do that one. Deep Rising? Yeah. (laughs) You want to shoot that to the top of the list? (laughs) That movie's really awesome. fucking. Oh, no, it's dude. amazing. It's badass. <laughs> uh, the last guy I want to talk about in the cast is Omar Sharif. This man is a legend. His Oscar nominated performance in the classic Lawrence of Arabia, his work in Funny Girl, The Pink Panther Strikes Again, which he is fucking fantastic as <laughs> the bad guy in that movie. Yeah. And the hilarious movie Top Secret, which if you haven't seen that fucking movie, <laughs> dude, like my God, yeah, it I cannot. One of the best comedies uh, out there for sure. So good, man. You know, I, I know that this is probably blasphemy, but like, I like Top Secret more than I like Airplane. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Me too. I think it's <laughs> the Zuckerbergs uh, taking it to the top of their game right there. Yeah. Yeah, it's classic. Yeah. 
I have no idea why he is in this movie, but that's besides the point. If you don't know him, you should. He was a legend, and his death in 2015 was a true loss to the film world. This movie was written by Roland Emmerich and Harold Klosser. I'll get to Roland in a minute, but Harold, I find a strange case in that he is a composer who scored this movie and 25 other movies, but also is a writer in that he made his debut here as well as doing the score and worked again as a writer-composer with Roland on 2012. He has also written a movie called Moonfall with Roland again that is in pre-production as we speak. Just for your own edification, Paul, it's about a space crew traveling to the moon after it's struck by an asteroid and is sent to a collision course with Earth. So... Combined with Roland's like stupidity, oh, like Jesus, <laughs> should be again. Yeah. yeah, Patrick Wilson, Halle Berry, and Josh fucking Gad, who I hate with a fucking passion, are in it. Anyway, God, this God. lead. Oh God, I fucking hate Josh Gad so goddamn much, dude. I fucking hate that guy. I cannot say. I I would if I could cut that guy's heart out and make him eat Jeez. it. It wouldn't be All enough. Right. Let's calm down. What, what's, what's the deal? What, what's the source of this uh, this anger? Here? He's just a shitty actor, man. He's like one of those <laughs> fat guys that just like makes fat jokes and has a really annoying voice. And uh... like people think he's funny because of that, but he doesn't have any fucking talent. He's terrible. But this leads us to Roland Emmerich. What is there to say about this man? He makes bad movies. He's competent in that he knows how to put a movie together, but... He doesn't know how to tell a story. Like, he's directed Universal Soldier, Stargate, which I can't completely fault him for that movie, Independence Day, Godzilla with Broderick, The Day After Tomorrow, 2012, the terrible drama known as Anonymous, White House Down, Stonewall. Again, shame on you, Roland, for misrepresenting your own fucking community, Independence Day 2. And recently, he did the movie Midway. He never researches anything before making a movie, and it shows in all of his movies. <laughs> uh... <laughs> While Michael Bay makes big, jingostic piles of chauvinist shit, like, Roland makes dumb movies that have no basis in anything remotely resembling fact. Like, that's it. That's all I can fault yeah. him for. But that being said, I have seen a ton of his movies, and he continues to make modest sums for the studios, except for Midway and Independence Day 2, which flopped horribly. But <laughs> So he does continue to have a career. This movie opened in the U.S. on March the 7th, 2008, at 3,410 theaters, and was produced for $105 million, which is actually a really modest sum for 2008. And the, yeah. and, and the ambitious nature of this movie needs tons of visual effects. So at 105, it's really not bad. You know what I mean? But this movie did open on first in first place with a $35,867,000 weekend. Below it was some movie called College Road Trip with Martin Lawrence in its first week. I don't remember this fucking movie like at all, but Wait, wasn't whatever. Martin Lawrence like forty at that point too? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck was he doing going to college? I think I think it had something to do with like his daughter was starting the college uh, and was like okay. taking her to college or something. Uh, uh, I don't know. I never saw it, but I'm just guessing based on the fact of Martin Lawrence's age. So I figured that that was the uh, the story there. Uh, the Rashomon wannabe known as Vantage Point was in its third week in the number three spot. The Jason Statham vehicle, the bank job, was in its first week in the fourth spot. 
And finally, Will Ferrell's, the Will Ferrell sports comedy known as Semi-Pro was in its second week in the fifth spot. Side note, this same time in theaters was Jumper, the movie that proved Hayden Christensen as a piece of shit, and, <laughs> and Fool's Gold, the movie I almost wrote Matthew McConaughey off for. It was in theaters for 300 days and went on to gross $94,784,000 domestically and $175 million worldwide, bringing its total to $269,784,000. So this movie, with advertising costs, made about $59 million for the studio. So it's not horrible, but you know, at least he made mm. some money back for the studio. This opening makes 10,000 BC the 36th best weekend for a movie opening in March behind the 2005 animated movie Robots with Ewan McGregor and ahead of the abysmal 2011 Aaron Eckhart movie known as Battle Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. You remember that fucking thing, man? <laughs> that That's a disaster of a movie, man. Like, holy shit. This movie also ranks as the 84th opening weekend for a movie over Easter weekend behind the fatally inaccurate 2004 Billy Bob Thornton movie known as The Alamo and ahead of the 2004 animated kids movie called Home on the Range. No idea what the fuck that is either. So by all accounts, this movie is unexceptional in its box office potential. The country that avoided this movie like the fucking Ice Age was Nigeria with a $24,030 opening weekend and a $63,740 gross. The top grossing movie of all time in Nigeria was 2019's Avengers Endgame with a stunning $523,000 gross, Paul. At an average ticket cost of 982.77 Naira, or $8.33 American in 2008, that brings total asses in seats to 2,884.75 people saw this movie opening weekend in Nigeria. So we have Johnny Quarter Slice, Billy Half-Ass, and now three-quarters of a person. What should we call her? <laughs> Camille Five-Fifteenths or something? <laughs> <laughs> With a total population of 150.3 million people in 2008, that means that just 1.919 of Nigeria's population saw this movie opening weekend. 10,000 BC has a 5.1 out of 10 on IMDb, which isn't as low as I thought it would be, quite honestly. <laughs> I thought this movie had like a 3.8 or like a 4.2 or something like that, and then I looked it up and it was a 5.1, and I was like, ah. Oh, it's still better rated by the users than Armageddon. Fuck you, Michael Bay! <laughs> <laughs> this movie has a 34 on Metacritic and a stunning, stunning, Paul, 8% on Rotten Tomatoes oh, wow. with a 37% audience score. This makes 10,000 BC a scant 7% better than that movie Left Behind <laughs> with Nicolas Cage and a full 2% better than Gigli and somehow, somehow, this movie is 12 points worse than Cats. I'm not sure how the fuck that is God, possible, man. but I digress. Like, seriously, <laughs> dude, like, I, I don't know how that's possible, man. Like, how is this better than, just that much better than Geely, but, like, still 12 points less than Cats? How the fuck is Cats better than this movie? This movie ranks highest amongst females aged less than 18, with a 7.0 and lowest amongst males aged 30 to 44 with a 5.0 out of 10. This week, I am struck petrified 
by the 6,122 people that rated this a perfect 10 on IMDb. I don't know how... How does this happen, Paul? I just... Every week, I'm fucking dumbstruck, man. My favorite reviews begin with Anne Hornaday from the Washington Post. Anne etches, quote, One part Joseph Campbell, hero quest, one part multicultural morality tale, one part live-action Flintstones cartoon... 10,000 BC is finally every part just plain nuts. Original score, 1.5 out of 5 stars. Short and sweet pens Stephen Witte from the Newark Star-Ledger in which he simply says, quote, Yabba dabba don't, end quote. Original score, (laughs) 1 out of 4 stars. Lastly, Jon Stewart of Newsday declares, quote, An epic adventure of such towering testosterone counts and ceaseless tedium. You can almost feel the hair growing on your chest as the bags collect (laughs) beneath your eyes. End quote. Original score, one out of four stars. Lastly, 10,000 BC is rated PG-13 for sequences of intense action and violence. So, Paul, I've been waiting on this one for a few weeks now, man. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Reggie Jackson strolls up to the plate. The Hall of Famer stands at six feet tall and 195 pounds as he lumbers to home base. While the man holds 563 career home runs and ranks as the 14th highest career home run hitter, Reggie also holds a couple other career records that no one else does. He finished his career with a batting average of .262, which isn't terrible, and holding his first still unbroken record of most bases stolen in a World Series with 25 bases stolen. His second record I'll get to in a minute. It's October 4th, 1987, and we stand in Comiskey Park in Chicago as Reggie and the Oakland A's face off against the Chicago White Sox with 15,083 fans in the stands. That's only 37% full, by the way. It's the top of the eighth, and the walking legend is about to swing his bat for the very last time before he retires. No runners on base as Bobby Thigpen pitches for the Sox. Uh, Mr. October, as Reggie was known due to his tendency to bat better in the past season with the A's and the Yankees while being a legend and being inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1993, as well as winning five consecutive American League West Divisional pennants, three consecutive American League pennants, and three consecutive World Series titles in 1972, 1973, and 1974, holds his second record with the all-time strikeout record by a batter with a stunning 2,597 strikeouts in his career. He leads Jim Thome by 49 strikeouts, Adam Dunn by 216, and Andreas Galarga, I think that's how you say his name, by 597 (laughs) strikeouts. These three men are the only hitters who have ever struck out more than 2,000 times in Major League Baseball history. There he stands, Mr. October, with 2,595 strikeouts at this time as you wind up and you pitch this motherfucker to me, Paul. All right, all right. I was watching the, the Flintstones the other day, the classic, classic <laughs> comedy cartoon, and I was sure. thinking that maybe we should remake the Flintstones as a hard-hitting historical drama. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, oh wait, you're uh, being serious. Well, you're, yeah. you're not joking. You're being serious. Oh, no, no, serious, serious. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. All right, I'm listening, I'm listening. All right, all right. 
And uh, yeah, so I was thinking we'd take the, the, the kind of the screenplay from Apocalypto mm-hmm. and uh, we just modify it with a uh, set of a, uh, you know, a Jaguar. We'll just throw in a uh, saber-toothed tiger, <laughs> we'll throw in some raptor birds and, uh, <laughs> you know, we're going to have, we're going to have a love story based on, uh, based on two, uh, two people. Of course, the, the woman has to be uh, a prize to be held. So uh, she's going to have okay. blue eyes. Uh, no one okay. else has blue eyes. In this White movie. skin, right? White yeah, skin? Yeah. Obviously. Okay. Uh, All right. So good. She's going to be prized. And uh, so we're going to have her and a uh, guy who uh, can't really kill anything, but he, he can kind of fall, fall down and things just kind of run into his spear. <laughs> yeah. But, but we're going to have an Independence Day style speech to gather the troops up, you know, get them all nice. riled up. Nice. Oh, 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 I forgot. Egypt, man. Fucking okay. Egyptians and pyramids. <laughs> because those are awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they are. They are. Yeah. And can we get can we get, can we get like a classic actor like Omar Sharif or somebody to do the fucking voiceover? That'd be awesome. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't make any sense without a narrator because we can't possibly have that come through <laughs> on the screen. So yeah, we'll have Omar Sharif. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Nice, nice. That's I dig it. I dig it. How? <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Just give me the. How much you? How much you gonna make this for? Uh, I'll probably need 150 million. Special uh, who's effects in and it? everything. Who's in it? Who's in it? Uh. Nobody, nobody, nobody. I can give you 105. How about that? Uh, <laughs> damn it. I had my eye on this yacht, but all right. I could probably talk him down a few million at least. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. Yeah. We don't, we, I mean, at least you'll get something. You know, you don't, we don't want you to go without your yacht for making this movie. <laughs> yeah. We're not, we're, I mean, we're not slaves here. You know, you're not doing this. Oh, yeah, we should throw some throw some slaves in this movie too oh yeah like some fucking uh ten commandments type shit that'd be awesome yeah yeah no what's what's a movie without a march of slaves through the desert after all all. yeah we are hollywood we love marching slaves across the screen it's just what we do (laughs) all right so paul had you seen this before like was this your first time yeah no i've seen it before at some point it was (laughs) <laughs> it was everything I remember it to be, which was not much of anything. <laughs> After watching it, I did, I did, you know, it's interesting how historically inaccurate or it doesn't even try to be anything <laughs> historical, but I think I spent more time learning and researching history to tell you how fucking stupid this movie is. So right. there is a positive to that. <laughs> that anyone who watches this, they're like, they kind of look into the the prehistory and everything, and they might actually learn something. Learn something, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> That's an important point, Paul. For uh-huh. real, yeah. I had to Google things like constantly when I was watching this movie because I was like, wait a second, like <laughs> I had only seen this movie once before, and I I have to be honest, like I must have blacked out for a majority of it because i didn't remember half of this fucking movie i just remember it being like really stupid and that there were a lot of stupid parts in it and i thought for sure that this was going to kill roland emmerich's career to be honest with you but you know i was wrong so there's somehow he still made money off of it somehow he's still making movies what i will say is that he can direct action just fine (laughs) <laughs> like all of the action scenes are put together where it makes sense even if the ideas aren't 
original or right. make any sense right the motivations behind the action scenes he still can cut together a a clear and concise action scene yeah that, that makes sense so maybe he should be a second a second unit director you know like do action sequences like Nick armstrong that would make the most sense I would say. <laughs> but no he is a film director that makes his own movies inexplicably and we're still stuck watching his fucking movies but dude this movie you know warner brothers and legendary again like great that makes two of theirs at least that we've looked at legendary and warner brothers yeah. i, I want to say no maybe i'm wrong but i want to say that birds of prey might have been a third one I, I really don't remember but my biggest issue with this movie man is like the eurocentricity of this fucking movie like everyone speaking english first off the child with the blue eyes like the whiter skin <laughs> on the woman that is to be whole they're to be beholden like this is eurocentric as shit and i fucking hate it i'm like dude Okay, so during prehistoric times, like, just so everyone knows in case there's any fucking, like, problem out there, we were all at one time traced back to the Fertile Crescent, which meant that we at one time did come from people with dark skin. You got a problem with it? Fuck you. Read a history book, you <laughs> dumb piece of shit. But that's the flat-out truth. Yeah. But showing... No, as, uh, I actually read into this a lot, and white skin, blue eyes, and that kind of... Uh stuff didn't show up until maybe six to four thousand bc right so yeah, yeah but not, <laughs> not too accurate on that count no, not accurate one of many historical inaccuracies <laughs> in this movie but i don't know <laughs> eh, at the same time they didn't make everyone in the tribe white they yeah. it was kind yeah. of just, racially just ambiguous main, just the oh. two main characters obviously <laughs> because that's what matters paul <laughs> But dude, showing showing indigenous people as being this superstitious is part of the problem. You know what I mean? Like I know that there was superstition back in the day and whatnot, but like everything that's in this movie, there's nothing that humanizes the indigenous people in this movie. It's all based on superstition. Like the entirety of their identity in this film is superstition. Just like, okay, you know, like this all right. <laughs> you know, there there were a fucking like actual large group of indigenous people one of them being the mayans who were like extremely advanced and like technologically and mathematically advanced but we always view like indigenous cultures and movies especially as being like these superstitious people that wave around feathers and shit like that and it's like can we stop please like can we show intelligent people for once and then you know the only time that these indigenous people are shown doing anything semi-intelligent is like when they're enslaved and they're trying to build the pyramids and i'm like what the fuck like what is <laughs> well of course they there's a little quick shot of a map in one of the the places in egypt i guess it's supposed to be that shows mm. the atlantic ocean with an island in the middle of it so it's implied that the people building the pyramids are actually atlanteans Right, 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 right. It's <laughs> a whole thing that I'll get so to the, later. It's, it also comes back to the whole thing of discrediting the Egyptians for actually right. coming up with their own technology and it's either right. Atlanteans or aliens or some right, shit. Right, yeah. I, I wrote that down later that, you know, what, what drives me insane is that whenever, like, some white researcher or paleontologist is trying to figure out how something was built or where something came from, they're like, well, you know, there's no way that people with dark skin would know how to build something like this. So it has to be aliens or, like, you know, Atlanteans or something. 
It can't possibly be that there was a technically advanced like fucking group. I, I take offense to you using the word researcher. Let's let's put it as conspiracy theorists instead. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of archaeologists. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Actually, you're right. look at the facts of what's there, and you're right. I apologize. Make sense of it from that perspective. <laughs> you are right. Of... I apologize about that. While I don't entirely agree with the depiction of people like in indigenous people in movies. The uh, the movie Apocalypto let the indigenous just exist and not mi- do mythical shit or dance around with superstition. Like, there's a whole thing in the beginning, like, of Apocalypto that it's just, like, fun and games. It's, like, you know, normal shit that's happening in the village. And, like, the guy, the one guy saying that he can't get his wife pregnant. So that other guy plays a joke on him by giving him all the chili peppers to rub on his groin. <laughs> Yeah. Like no. you know, as much as as much as Mel Gibson is like a fucking racist and anti-Semite, like that movie actually didn't like denigrate indigenous people, and I I really no. appreciated that. That is funny how this movie basically takes ninety percent of its plot points from that movie, <laughs> and I, I think if you played them side by side, they'd, <laughs> scene for scene, they'd be almost identical for some right. reason. But uh, Apocalypto is like a better movie, and it's oh, more. So <laughs> yeah no. dude that movie was shocking man like when, when we went to badass. That, it is badass movie but that movie like i remember that when we went to go see that that you walked out of the theater and you were telling me how you thought it was hilarious because there was this kid sitting next to you that was like eight years old that just had <laughs> <an> eye. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> his poor child jaw is slack his <laughs> eyes just burning wide open, <laughs> taking it all in, like <laughs> seeing people getting chopped apart and bodies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. Good movie to take your eight. Oh yeah. To, for sure. <laughs> Probably that saw the passion like, like a few years before that. So oh, sure. was like, sure. oh yeah, Mel Gibson can't go yeah, wrong. should be fine. Yeah. It's a family movie. Yeah. My, my kids saw the passion of the Christ at four years old. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, I, I don't want to keep harping or belaboring the Mel Gibson point, but like he does know how to make ultra violent movies, man. Like his yeah. movies are ridiculously violent. It's like unbelievable, actually, at a certain point. It's like, Jesus Christ, man, like just calm down for a second. <laughs> I say keep it up. Keep it up. <laughs> Has he made a movie in a long time? No, 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 no. I mean, after after he did, uh, what was his last movie? I want to say it was Apocalypto, actually. But after he made Apocalypto, like, he was supposed to do this, like, fucking, like, hard R-rating, like, fucking Braveheart-level violent uh, Viking movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. And then and then Mel Gibson beat the shit out of his girlfriend in a very public way. And the studio dropped out. And Leo was like, nope, fuck you. I'm not going anywhere near that shit. Yeah. <laughs> it was probably a good call. On everybody's <sighs> God damn it. God damn it. Why do all of our heroes and like good filmmakers have to have some horrific skeletons in their closet? God damn it. I don't know, man. I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. I actually I got that wrong. It's not Apocalypse it was his last movie because he did do um uh Hacksaw Ridge. That was his yeah. last movie, Hacksaw yeah. Ridge. Which was ridiculously violent. Yeah. I just can't keep a lid on his fucking anti Semitism. No, man. Like just, just shut the fuck out. up and learn, motherfucker. You know, like Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh i mean you can't you can't fix that level of like racial stupidity though you know like it's not something that's easily taught to be (laughs) brought out of you but moving on moving on (laughs) this movie 
this movie has bad green screen work as the father oh, leaves yeah. and the kids throw spears. Like it's very obvious that they're doing this on a soundstage because yeah. the lighting is like completely wrong. And I fucking hate that when movies do that, man. Like even even I hate to I hate to talk about it in the same breath, but like even Lord of the Rings has moments in it where it's like not lit correctly because it yeah. is green screen work. And it sort of drives me nuts. I'm like, dude, yeah. come on, man. Like, don't fuck with me, man. You know, like, don't <laughs> fuck with me. Don't make me notice this kind of shit. They with the mammoth scene, there's a lot of really bad CGI in that you can see how they cut and paste one animated loop of a mammoth running over and over again. And it's right. just like the whole herd of them are running, but they're all <laughs> just one one sequence that they just put together. Right. A bunch of them, like. I mean, all they have, all they have, is a hundred million in order to work with Paul. They gotta, they gotta, you know, make up the difference somehow. I mean, with all the visual effects, they stretched that out pretty good, I'd say. And yeah. of course, yeah, they didn't yeah. have any big stars that they had to pay, you know, yep. twenty million yep. dollars salaries. So that probably helped a lot. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, uh, e- Evelyn and Delay are obviously played by white people, but casting white people to play even ficti- fictitious indigenous people is offensive. You know what I mean? Like. Come on, man. Like, get over the shit, Hollywood. You aren't even casting people that are, like, well-known. You know what I mean? Like, if this was, like, that they were casting, like, Leo or somebody in the main role, that's one thing because you're trying to go after, like, the bo- – not that I agree with it, but you're trying to go after, like, the box office based on their name. But these are two people that we do not know. So you literally could have cast unknown indigenous actors to fucking play these roles, but you chose not to because uh, maybe Hollywood is fucking racist and they don't want to admit it. Besides the point. Dude, they've, they've grown a lot in the past eight years, Gabe, right? No, they haven't, man. <laughs> fucking 98% of Hollywood is white and 89% of that 98% is fucking male, which I find absolutely incredible let's move on here for a second because uh this uh i'm, I'm gonna believe this point <laughs> dude did did mammoths not look down like attacking a group like this seems like a stupid decision like to just these people like crawling up underneath the mammoths i was just like are man were mammoths like this stupid and they didn't look down i thought that they were like grass eaters and shit because of the ice age you know they weren't like living around trees and whatnot yeah yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I I have no idea. They may <laughs> have actually gone to some African tribe and researched. <laughs> no, just kidding. They didn't research shit. <laughs> they just, yeah. They're just like, oh yeah, mammoths. Uh, if it's crawling on the ground, they don't take it as a threat. Yeah, so, you know one one of my favorite or... one of my favorite stupid moments at the very beginning of this movie is that when they capture the mammoth in the net and he breaks free. And like the main leader or whatever yells like, hold him down. And they all grab the net and they start getting dragged along. I'm like, dude, there's like 50 of you guys. And this is a multi-ton mammoth. Like you're greatly outnumbered. Right? You're never going to like get this guy to stop running. But the mammoth death scene is the equivalent of a slow motion fireball sequence. Like, and it's just as stupid. Like he runs away from the mammoth as it falls down behind him in slow motion. And it's like, oh God, come on. Like Roland Emmerich, please stop doing this kind of shit. I hope that you hear this episode because you are a fucking like, you could be so much better, dude. You have the technical skills, but you need to actually hire a real writer in order to fucking make your movies rather than you like trying to 
fumble your way through what you call a screenplay, which is probably a bunch of notes just scribbled <laughs> on the back of bar napkins. <laughs> yeah. He's made enough money just writing them himself. So why bother paying a writer at this point? But the, the mammoth falls on delay and somehow he's perfectly fine. Like, I still don't understand exactly how the physics of this happened. Like, he <laughs> spears the thing and then it falls on top of him. And they drag him out from underneath the neck, which was the first thing to hit the ground was the chin and the neck of the mammoth. But, like, he's fine and can, like, stand up and walk away from this. And all he has is, like, a little bit of, like, grass in his hair. The natives carve up the mammoth and dry the meat, but this leads me to my sandwich beef for the week. It's going to be early in this episode this time. (laughs) So my sandwich beef for the week, I want to talk about veggies for a minute. Not only are they an important part of a balanced diet, kids, they are indispensably important for sandwiches. But they are some definite do's and don'ts when it comes to topping a sandwich with veggies. First off, the veggies should be cold and as fresh sliced as possible so they don't dry out in the freezer. And they should be used in proportion to other veggies and meats on the sandwich. And now when you grill veggies, kids, it's infinitely more important that you watch the temperature of the veggies and how much fat or oil you're using to crisp the veggies with. I bring this up because the New Review Deli in Long Island City apparently thinks that not only is any green veggie a jalapeno, but also that they are meant to be charred to the point that they feel like stones of gravel as you try to eat through a chopped cheese. They believe that when you ask for, quote, fresh jalapeno, end quote, that I should get get long strips of fucking burnt bell pepper like a nightmare (laughs) fajita. They believe... They believe it doesn't matter what I asked for, that I should be grateful for whatever dog food they are peddling that particular day. Even worse, Paul, they apparently don't believe in washing the lettuce that they order. Mm -hmm. Because as I was halfway through the sandwich that I had pulled out every rock-hard jalapeno out of, I encountered something I was truly aghast upon witnessing the horror of what I was eating. In my lettuce... There was a fucking earthworm cut in half. It's just sitting there. It's just sitting there. Uh, did you did you eat the other half of it? No. Sure. I did not I did not eat it. But it's just sitting there covered in a light dusting of dirt and moisture. It had obviously been dead for some time. No doubt some prep work guy cut the base off of the romaine and did not notice, but again, he did not wash the fucking lettuce. That the goddamn worm was just sitting there between a baby leaf and a fully matured cover leaf, cut in half, oozing its guts out. (laughs) Look, look, again, I don't want to say that you can catch everything, but an A rating from the New York City Health Department means I shouldn't expect a goddamn cut in half worm in my food. New review, Deli. Go fuck yourself. Wash your goddamn (laughs) veggies. Now back to your regularly scheduled okay. programming. You know what I fucking hate is when the tomato is like this white, hardened, unripe, <laughs> not piece ripe of ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that. horrible. Don't even I hate put it. the fucking tomatoes in there if they're not ripe, man. <laughs> 
I hate it when they slice the tomato and they leave it in the deli fridge for a while and it dries out and they give you one of those yeah. top tomatoes where it's all dried out and shit. Shit's yeah. disgusting. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you. New review deli. <laughs> Dude, okay. So going back to this movie, I hate how the indigenous culture in this movie, again, while fictitious, is at times matriarchal and then other times patriarchal like i get that evelet wants to be with delay but he has to show himself to be a man and he claims this woman like she's fucking property but get the fuck out of here with the bullshit dude i'm so tired of this but like the whole time you know it like alternates because like old mother or whatever they call her they like respect her opinion and like follow her as like a sage but then they like want to know what cliff curtis thinks because he's like the eldest male or something like that. And I'm just like, what, what, what's the rules here? Like, what kind of fucking society <laughs> is this? You know, is it matriarchal or is it I guess they, uh, fucking patriarchal? They followed their elders. Uh, also, they can claim women as property. So there you go. Yeah. Okay. I think she's <laughs> supposed to be the, the old lady, whatever her name is. Last mother right. or some shit. Old mother, I thought. Old mother. She's like uh, supposed to be a Neanderthal, I think, because uh, they say she's <laughs> the last one of her kind. Well, I mean, let's think about this for a second, because the last <laughs> Neanderthal died out somewhere around like 25,000 BC, and this is 10,000 BC. So is old mother a 15,000 year old Neanderthal woman? She does have magic powers. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe she is that old. Who knows? Yeah. But dude. There you go. Cliff Curtis, man. Evelyn is no man's property. Thank you for saying it. Thank you for calling out the bullshit. At least somebody in this movie stood up and was like, what, you don't own Evelyn, you fucking bitch? <laughs> Thank God somebody <laughs> said it. So we find out, dude, that the four-legged demons that they talk about are men on horses. Like, surely, surely they must have seen horses at this point. You know, like, they know that they're not demons. They know that they're men on beasts of some kind and they've seen like yeah. four-legged beasts running around so why this fucking like superstition that it's demons yeah. they're not demons they're fucking men on horses and and by the way uh horses were not domesticated until at least six thousand bc more likely four thousand bc <laughs> and then right. horse riding as a thing i mean horses were domesticated just for meat purposes for a long time but horse sure. riding didn't show up until like 2000 bc so <laughs> Fuck these people for not yeah, reading. Yeah, obviously they didn't read. <laughs> <laughs> also, this voiceover by Omar Sharif is fucking terrible because, like, who is talking to us and who is filling in the gaps of storytelling for us? Like, they never mention who this guy is or, like, show him in the fucking show or it's not supposed to be, like, delay when he's older or something like that. It's just this guy who's speaking to you about what you're seeing on the screen. Like, it's a fucking Nova documentary, yeah, but it's yeah. not. Yeah, he's just God. Yeah, yeah. He's Who, who's a, God. who's you a better know? who's a better God narrator? Is Morgan it? Freeman, Morgan bro. Freeman. All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have to think about that, man. Morgan Freeman. <laughs> but yeah. you know, all this racket, and they only kill one person. Like when the four-legged demons come in and they start like wrecking havoc on the camp, they only kill one guy. And I'm like, that was a lot of fucking noise and running around and bullshit and things lighting on fire. Yeah for one dead person like seems kind of fortunate given that this was a raid in order to get this girl yeah. they only kill one person but whatever yeah they only set one building on fire too they didn't even like bother to burn down the whole village they just set one thing on fire and left <laughs> 
is a pretty pretty shitty raid in my opinion. Yeah. I mean if you want if you want to talk about like raids, you know, like look at Genghis Khan, man. He would just go through <laughs> and like rape and kill everybody and then he'd burn everything so that way there was no chance that anybody was left in order to have, I don't know, maybe a revenge plot against him, you know, he could just yeah. conquer and move on to the next person. He would also just show up with his army at the gates of your city and just extort the fuck out of you to leave him alone. He's like, oh yeah, just uh, you become my vassals and give me every <laughs> fucking piece of gold in your city. Uh, probably also a bunch of women too. Because I like right. women. Obviously. I was reading that something like one sixth of the people on this earth can trace their lineage to Genghis Khan. What? Okay. Yeah. No, it's some <laughs> ridiculous number of people can trace direct heritage to him and his family. Huh. And it, I mean, he did. That guy got around. Yeah. He got around. Jesus. Yeah. To fuck up, like, the <laughs> cultural makeup of a sixth of the Earth's population. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. But, you know, why, why is there always the young stowaway trope in these kinds of movies, dude? Like, the <sighs> weather-worn, experienced people are weary because they've been walking for so long, but... Yet Baku is having no problems keeping up. And I'm just like, well, which one is it? Is it like a really hard journey that these people are having trouble with? Or is this like young Buck just able to keep along even though he has no fucking survival skills whatsoever? <laughs> I fucking hate that. But, Del you know, Delay sees a charm from the necklace he made for uh, What's-Her-Nuts and assumes she's alive because breadcrumbs could never be maybe a honey trap or anything, you know, like them leading towards something that could be bad. But he just assumes that she's alive because, oh, yeah, this is obviously the necklace that I made her, blah, 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 blah. She's alive. It's funny but how it's a... the, the, the raiders are on horseback, but the, <laughs> the dudes chasing them are just walking and they leave yeah. like 24, 36 hours after the fact. <laughs> and they manage to they catch, catch up, up with them easily. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> But dude, it's it's a good thing that the snow ends at a similar altitude as the jungle that they literally walk into. <laughs> and that a giant flock of birds alerts them to where the demons are walking. Aren't these guys supposed to be hunters? Like, but they can't seem to track. They're just like randomly wandering. And they're like, oh look, birds, and then they run over there. <laughs> Seems like they're really bad at their fucking job. <laughs> but now we arrive at the quintessential there's something in the grass scene, right? But it's sh oh. short-lived as we are instantly miracled to the edge of the demon's camp. Even though they started out having no experience climbing mountains before, they made the camp in the same amount of time, like you said, as the experienced warriors with horses who are used to doing this kind of shit. Sure, why not? You know, but, uh, fuck it. I'm just going to be past <laughs> but. Delay Delay hits a dude in the back of the head with a club who is trying to rape Evelet, right? He knocks him out and cuts the bindings to Evelet. Then seconds later, evil master dude with the deep voice is kicking would-be rapist awake and inspects a cut binding. My question here is, why does he have to inspect the binding? Like, the girl isn't where he left her tied <laughs> to a tree, so obviously her bindings are cut. What does it matter that he inspects them? Is he like a fucking CSI agent now? And he could be like, oh, this was cut by, uh, you know, it has to be this guy. Well, I mean, he was checking to see if she gnawed through her bindings with her teeth, <laughs> untied them, or as he sees, they're cut with a the knife. They're Dude. not alone. Oh, shit. The village Dude. is coming after him. 
mega rapist <laughs> didn't wasn't able to rape her so and he's knocked out on the ground so obviously somebody whacked him on the back of the head he didn't have like a fucking coronary heart attack from his heart on when he was trying to rape you know what i mean like it seems like a problem but evil dude evil dudes on are on the horses but as the prisoners are escaping they can run faster than the horses like this is such a trope in hollywood that it pisses me off dude like everybody's running through the grass and the evil warriors are chasing after them on the horses but somehow they're keeping up ahead of the horses and i'm like uh horses <laughs> run really fast you know <laughs> seems like they'd be able to catch them really quickly but also this is 10,000 bc right paul so we see according to the name <laughs> we see most everything is stone and rope especially the bindings but then we see some of the prisoners are secured with stocks around their hands that are yeah. hinged with metal and metal like yeah. does that mean that yeah. the demons invented the iron age wasn't yeah. 10,000 yep. metallurgy age? they've got metallurgy <laughs> they have complex machines Oh, not to mention sailing ships, <laughs> textiles. Right. Yeah, no, they've got, they've got, right. Right. they've got it all. They got it all. No, that's it. <laughs> uh, like one of the biggest problems that I have with this movie is that they can't decide what age that they're in because it's just like, wait a second, like, and and it gets worse as you get later in the movie. There's oh, like yeah. more <laughs> steel, and it's like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> But they run into the mysterious field because obviously the creature in the tall grass will only attack the bad guys first, just long enough for the good guys to start running because, you know, obviously. If these giant emu dinos are what we were afraid of in that exact moment in time, they existed in the Cretaceous period, anywhere from 74,990,000 years before this to 149,990,000 years before this. Not oh, well, in 10,000 well, well, BC. Ter terror birds, as they are called. I believe these are terror birds. Okay. They're actually South American kind of dodo-like birds. But they, they existed all the way until maybe a million years prior to our current time. But yeah, in South America. So, uh, right. <laughs> uh, not yeah. near Egypt, <laughs> <laughs> but Baku, Baku jumps out of the snapping jaws of one and racks himself because as we all know, nut shots are only in the best <laughs> movies, <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, you know, our dude delay climbs on top of a rock and one rock to the head of one of these emus is enough to disable it out of the chase. Doesn't seem exactly likely, you know, like just dropping one rock on top of its head is going to take it out. Somehow. Birds, birds have light, light bones. So I don't know, maybe hitting it in the I head. I mean, all right. So the here's the thing, though. Know? Is it like the, the, those like giant emus that used to live in like uh, New Zealand slash Australia? I can't remember yeah. what they're called. Uh, those things had super thick skulls oh, and right. like they had tiny little brains and it's just like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, maybe I just read one too many things when I was a kid. And, you know, maybe I shouldn't be thinking about that when I'm watching this movie. What amuses me about this scene is it's a blatant ripoff of another bad movie, The Lost World. <laughs> yeah. With the raptor. It's like the raptor scene in that movie almost right, precisely. Right. right in the grass. Uh, you know, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But yeah, somehow, fine. somehow delay gets stuck in a bamboo field because apparently bamboo can't be uh, bent out of the way. Uh, 
just as we needed to see the moment where the chomping emu makes a spear just long enough for Duder to use and jam through the head of the fucking yeah. emu. I mean, suddenly right. they're in they're in the rainforest, but then suddenly they're in the South China <laughs> with giant bamboo forests. Yeah. yeah it's cool. But, you know, despite all the running about and the giant emus that can leap up into trees, Evelyn and Baku are still on the ground and close enough together that they get to greet each other only to be recaptured. Seems pretty stupid of them to be like, oh, you know, everything's fine. And they just hug each other and wait until the fucking rapists show up in order to take them. But here's the thing. How did how did Cliff Curtis buy it in this movie? Like he is all of a sudden on the ground and he's like hurt. And I didn't see this somehow, but he's down for the count all of a sudden. Like, I didn't see what attacked him. Like, was it mm. an emu or I didn't get this part. He's just all of a sudden down. I forgot to, but he's fine. I mean, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, this is the beginning of like Joseph Campbell's, like, you know, the death of the fucking mentor character. So that way we can move on to the next thing, but whatever. But now he comes back. He has to. Yeah, he yeah. dies in the later, right? In right. The in the scene that we are currently watching behind me right now. But... Yeah. <laughs> Dude, the wide shot of delay dragging Cliff is obviously shot near the Salton Sea, or at least it looks like the Salton Sea in Southern California. I know that this movie was actually shot on location, but I swear that this has got to be a South, like Southern California, LA pickup shot because it was just yeah. like. Uh, I think I'd know those mountains. I think I've like actually hung out in those fucking hills. But you know, for everybody out there that's a filmmaker, try picking locations that are less well known, so that way people aren't like, I don't know, I don't know, like me, where I'm sitting there and I'm watching a TV show like or a movie like Lone Survivor, and I'm like, oh, this is Afghanistan, huh? Oh yeah, no, those are the Sandia Mountains in Albuquerque. <laughs> How many people have really been to the Sandia Mountains in Albuquerque? I know, I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it, all right. So, dude, about about delay cauterizing Cliff's wound shut, right? Like, does wood ember burn hot enough in order to cauterize a wound? I mean, I feel like you know, wood when you it's probably have to do red it like that over and like... over again. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hot, but it has no has no thermal mass, so you wouldn't get that much heat transfer to the wound. So you probably yeah. have to do it over and over again, just a little bit at a time. <laughs> fucking destroying then, Cliff then you'd have bits of charcoal burnt into your wound shit eh, probably not a good idea but they did it in braveheart so gotta do it in this movie right but braveheart was also what uh nine thousand four hundred and eighty years after <laughs> this movie wait did they do that in apocalypto too does he cauterize some wound Feel like it's a Mel uh, I don't. Thing. I don't remember him cauterizing anything. I remember that in Apocalypto they were using the giant fire ants as like stitches. Oh uh, yeah, that's, that's right. That was pretty badass. Which I thought was cool. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I hadn't seen that before. So good for him. But you know, uh, dude, Delay runs to chase a gazelle and somehow falls into a punji stick pit and misses all of the sticks to land safely, but knocks himself out sometime. Right. I did I did miss that scene transition like I was writing something and suddenly <laughs> he was in the pit and I'm like what the fuck just happened? Yeah, he's like running to chase a gazelle and then he oh, falls okay. in the punji pit and it's like uh <laughs> how did he miss every <laughs> stick on the way down? Like he's the size of a gazelle. So like if yeah. he, if they're trying to catch gazelles with this kind of shit, seems like it would be a bad thing that in the middle of the pit is a big <laughs> enough like hole that a antelope or a gazelle shaped sized 
thing could fall and not get fucked up, but you know, whatever. So the punji pit is filling with water, right? As the rain is coming down. I'm like, oh, this is just like Apocalypto. Remember that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly the same fucking scene. Yeah. But Delay Delay decides to save the saber-toothed tiger from drowning because like, why? Oh, right. So he can have a sidekick because we need a sidekick yeah. in order to like help him out later but would a wild animal be this willing to just go against his nature in a life or death situation like this you know like he's in a fucking trapped area with like dangerous shit happening his prey is there and seems scared i feel like he would just rip his throat out just for the fuck of it in order to like at least have some sort of food source if he survives this thing but whatever but it's also a really good thing that the log pinning the tiger is just tall enough and lands in such a way as to function as a ladder for num nut in order to get out of the (laughs) hole just happens to fall that way but you know cliff curtis and delay wander into a village that has obviously been raided and find the equivalent of a plate of food in the middle of the village and their first instinct is to pick at it and eat it, on, but rather than pick it up and eat it on the go as to, I don't know, stop and eat unprotected as they look around suspiciously. This seems like such a stupid little thing, but it's like a big problem that I have because it's like, okay, these people are hunters, right? They they don't know this village. They just wander into the middle of it and they find this obvious honey trap of like food sitting in the middle of it. And they're like, oh, we're going to pick at it and we're going to look around like suspicious groundhogs, you know, just in case something's <laughs> around us. But why don't they just pick it up and eat it as they're running the fuck out of there? But, oh, wait, yeah, because they need the scene where they meet other indigenous people that are even more superstitious than them. And then the fucking tiger shows up in order to like establish this guy as a leader somehow, but whatever. Getting really tired of movies basing all of their plot on some, it was fated to happen or it's prophesized. (laughs) Just God damn, I'm really tired of the shit because it's just an excuse for them to make anything happen that they want to have. You mean you mean a Deus Ex no. Machina? That's what you're tired of? No, no. It's like there's so many movies where the main character is fulfilling some prophecy, or it's yeah. just fate that it's going to happen. So it's going to happen right. regardless right. of how how much of a shitty situation they're in, and it's right. just lazy, lazy fucking filmmaking technique. And I'm fucking tired <laughs> of it. Stop doing it. yeah it's really bad but you know paul somehow these people have at this point wandered from forest to tundra (laughs) to jungle and now desert all within a matter of days because that makes sense that they're able to like walk across all these fucking strata but you know saber side note saber didn't live in deserts like while they found fossils in deserts before scientists contend that these fossils were found in silt layers from runoff so not their natural habitat, but we have one here in the desert that is huge and thriving <laughs> and here to defend delay, obviously, because the animal yeah. knows a sense of obligation now after he <laughs> fucking got saved. But also, dude, also, they weren't that big. They were yeah, that's, that was my next point. <laughs> of, size of tigers. And oh, yeah, they were North American species. Right. <laughs> Not a Eurasian species, but but whatever. this guy, this guy is like the size of a fucking VW bus somehow, and like that's okay. But dude, how coincidental is it, it that Delay's father not only taught these other natives English, but also the Delay happens to be the chosen one who is to lead them to the most <laughs> sacred land in their culture, 
All because he can speak to a fucking saber tooth tiger that he saved a saber tooth tiger. Seems like a big coincidence. It's it's prophecy. He's fated to do it. Obviously, yeah, that's exactly what you were saying. But so it's revealed. <laughs> it's revealed that Delay's father wasn't a coward, but a savior, and the Delay was lied to because his father wanted his son to live a lie. Not sure what purpose this serves in the story, other than that. You wanted to deliberately fuck your kid's mind up, but okay, I guess. Well, also, it makes it possible because he went along their very tract of travel. Somehow, of all the world, he chose that direct route to those people and stopped in that exact village and spent the time to teach them the perfect... (laughs) <laughs> English or whatever their language they are speaking, so then they could communicate with this guy. You know, right? Just in case sense. his son shows up later in order to fulfill the prophecy yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, sure. Precisely. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, I- explain to me again why they think that Evelyn is a witch. I don't remember. They like keep referring to her as a witch girl or whatever. Yeah. The fucking rapists, and I don't know what it yeah. was that made them think that she's got blue eyes and well they talk about the marks on her hand which the one guy did with the lashing to her mm-hmm. to her hands for whatever reason and now they think that's some kind of prophecy fulfillment thing right obviously yeah. <laughs> that's why she's special and then she's not just forced to like pull stone blocks with the rest of the slaves because <laughs> right. they need the final showdown and the 300 moment where he throws the spear at the guy. Right, so right, right, right. That's why. I... <laughs> Delay Delay cracks a joke, Paul, to Hoda or to the Hoda warrior, and because of the joke, he unites the clans. I can't remember exactly what the joke was, but it was something really stupid about like, oh, that's what it was. It was like uh, somebody cracked a joke, and then the other guy was like, "Ha ha, Hoda, don't laugh." And, like, somehow because he made them smile, now he, like, unites their clans because he cracked this really stupid joke that, like, broke the ice or something. It's a fucking dumb scene, but it just, like, comes out of nowhere, and I don't know why the fuck this scene actually exists. <laughs> I don't even remember that. I yeah, think I just see, blanked it out. Blacked out, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, dude... Less than an hour in, we have the lightest, skinniest dude literally becoming leader of the entire region. And I don't understand this fucking stupidity. Like, this is a constant trope that bothers me in movies. It's like this guy that has, I mean, it's the fucking Avatar thing again. It's like (laughs) this guy has no stake in your culture, but all of a sudden he's the most sacred dude to all of you and he's going to unite everybody and he's going to take you out of the fucking wilderness or whatever. He's he's white. He's Moses. Yeah. He's Moses. Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) But the natives say, quote, the great birds have arrived end quote, meaning ships with sails. And it just so happens that Evelyn is on the deck so she can see (laughs) him from hundreds of yards away and hear him yell. But one of the clan leaders reveals to Delay that the river serpentines and that they are, of course, there is a shortcut through the desert that they will all get lost in and die because, of course. I mean, how does he know that the fucking shortcut is there if everybody that's ever tried to take it is dead? You know what I mean? (laughs) It doesn't seem like a shortcut. But of all the all the native people in this land, especially slave drivers who navigated over every terrain imaginable that we just saw, this light-skinned dude named Delay is the only motherfucker to ever look up and figure out the North Star. 
fuck you. you know? Such like, good knowledge, man. <laughs> I, I don't understand, though, because like guys with ships would most definitely know, in nautical terms, at least some of the constellations in order to navigate. Yeah. Unless they're just going up and down the Nile River, and then they're not really fucking slavers. You know what I mean? They're just kind of getting people from the same place, which, you know, you might deplete the resources in that area, just, just saying, but whatever. Like, what would it be like being a, a set dresser, set designer, when when Roman and Elmer are like, is like, okay, we're making this movie called 10,000 BC, and we want, we want ships, and... <laughs> You're like, okay, so we're going to make it out of like papyrus or string together some, some uh, sticks to make a raft. And he's like, no, no, no. I want like, <laughs> I want ships, like giant uh, you know. clipper ships. Yeah. 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 Clipper ships. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I guess we'll try to do that. And then he's like, ah, oh, no, it doesn't look fancy enough. I need like ropes, <laughs> need metal everywhere. <laughs> need all this shit. And you're like, giant, giant dyes, textiles. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I mean, at a certain point, like your production designer has just got to be like, I don't give a shit. This is just a paycheck. Like, I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want, I guess. And you know, I'll just, uh, I'll say, oh, it's the director's fault. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. But wait, Paul. Before we pull out of that little bit of seed planting, they have to wander the desert for many days, and some of them die to make the payoff even more exciting. You know, they're like wandering around, and they're like, "Oh, they haven't gotten to the fucking like, you know, oh, I know the North Star bullshit yet." He just plows into the desert with all these people that don't know him, and they're like, "I just told you that we would die if we went there, (laughs) and you said that it's gonna all be good, and then everybody's dying, and nobody's really bitching at this point." Because the dude still hasn't revealed that he can fucking know the North yeah. Star. Let's travel during the heat of the day. Yeah. <laughs> Start out that Obviously. way. You know, Obviously. <laughs> but it's a, it's a good thing, Paul, that the North Star will guide them to the end of the river. And that's the fucking end of the river that is south on the Nile. That's what I really didn't understand is that, like, where they picked them up to the where they dropped them off, like, the North Star would be in the opposite direction of the way that they were fucking going. But... <laughs> whatever you know i I don't know anything about geography i guess maybe (laughs) maybe they're not in egypt i mean it all points to them being in egypt the nile travels north to the mediterranean so they'd somehow have to go from like siberia (laughs) down through egypt to like somewhere in southern egypt then to travel up the nile which is straight by the way there's no right right there's no curves (laughs) so maybe maybe they're in iraq or something near the euphrates is, is the Euphrates more. is fucking serpentine, right? That's what I, was I think so. Ask. Yeah, I think it's more serpentine. <laughs> but there aren't any pyramids plan. anywhere up there. Yeah, shh, shh, shh. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Yeah. Not to mention, like, the earliest known, like, city is Jericho, which is dated to 9,000 BC. Right. But, you know, fuck it. These guys have these guys have a gigantic city, an advanced culture that you know shows that they've been around. But it's Atlantis. Let's just say right, the, right. The, the aliens, it's, aliens, it's the Atlanteans. Yeah, because they also make the the fucking alien like reference here, which really pissed me off. But you know, dude, on top of the fact that like, why does the North Star lead them there? Like, this is the equivalent of this guy literally pulling something out of his ass, and he just knows this because of reasons. Like, people have been dying in the desert as we're walking in the direction that you said oh we should go this way even though i told you not to go that way and he's like oh i know things we're gonna keep going this way (laughs) like it doesn't 
<laughs> doesn't strike a lot of confidence, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter. But the mountains, the mountains of the gods are revealed to be the pyramids of Egypt, right? And the head of the snake is the Nile, apparently, or maybe the Euphrates. And mammoths somehow made it tens of <laughs> thousands of miles to help build the pyramids. This is something that, like, okay, so when I first saw the trailer of this movie, right? I, w I, I can't remember if I went to go see, like, I went to go see something in, like, 2007. And I saw the trailer for this. And I, as soon as they showed the, so the shot of the fucking pyramids with the mammoths on it. I'm like, I'm out, I'm out, fuck it. I don't give a shit. I don't out. care what yeah. this movie is. Like, I, I will never see this fucking pile of shit. And then I've seen this movie fucking twice in my life, which is, I mean, what does that tell you? But <laughs> God damn. God damn it. But they speak of the slave drivers building the pyramids and they say, quote, some say they came from the sky. Others say they came from a faraway land when their homes sank into the sea, end quote. So they are either aliens or Atlanteans at this point, and they make the fucking point of it later that like these people's accents are weird, and they have like these weird tattoos and like the weird Indonesian, which is Indonesia by the way, the fucking like finger things that are gold and like the textiles and whatnot. I'm like, okay, so if they are Atlanteans, right? Like Atlanteans are supposed to be like highly advanced race that were like at least somewhat altruistic because they believed that science like trumped everything else because it was something that they could profit off of and like build their society with if they are atlanteans what the fuck is the point of them like enslaving people when they have the technology in order to do this shit they should just be able to unite people around the technology but beyond that if they're aliens if aliens came all the way here to 10,000 BC in order to build the fucking pyramids. All right, you know what? This is this is like one of the big things that I've been meaning to get to for a while in, in my life is bitch about this because like this is a big problem that I have is that if it is aliens that built the pyramids, all they do is line up with like a certain like constellations and certain stars, right? They don't actually offer us anything when it comes to like celestial navigation or like anything that's something that was built by a fucking alien race would actually be. Is the equivalent of a fucking star map that they printed out on the Earth's surface. But like somehow this is supposed to be alien technology or aliens that did this. This is something that sure, I just yeah. don't understand. Maybe I'm reading too much into this. Maybe I'm getting too angry about something that really doesn't matter. <laughs> but I, have, I fucking hate when people say like the pyramids were built by aliens or like that, that thing in South America, that temple that has the giant rocks that are like so close together you can't even put a razor blade between them. It's almost like the rocks were built like to be in that configuration. And they're like, oh, we don't know how, uh, you know, I don't know, an indigenous race of people would know how to do this. So obviously it was aliens. You know? Yeah, no, uh, Temple of the Sun others. in Machu Picchu. I've been there actually. And, uh, right, right, cool. right. That's it. But yeah. it's just they had stonemasons that carved the rocks <laughs> to fit together really well. But, you know, an indigenous group of people that aren't aliens. white colonists, Paul, obviously have no idea how to be stonemasons. So. By the way, I was reading uh, this uh, article about how pyramids were most likely not built with slave labor. And in fact, it was a highly compensated and highly skilled workforce. Right. Right. people that just spent 30 years building it and so yeah the the but whole paul, thing about people being whipped and slaved <laughs> and all that is but i'm paul, sure they had slaves but not labor probably but paul <laughs> the bible says that the israelites helped mm. do that so obviously the bible is correct because the bible is the word of god well i mean you know in a way uh if you're 
if you're a part of a society and the society's main goal is building pyramids, then <laughs> anything you contribute is kind of helping with that. Even if sure. you're uh i want to back up your andrew jackson moment there for a second let's let's not generalize slave labor as being helpful to a country all right let's just just back up for a second dude well i'm just trying to acknowledge the the work that the slaves did put in that's all i'm trying to say put in or were forced to do because there's a difference you know like well the work they did contributed to the output of that society <laughs> okay that's all i'm trying to say all right all right fine i'm gonna even even if they weren't directly pulling rocks up the side <laughs> even if they were just baking bread you know <laughs> catching fish or whatever it doesn't matter they were they sure. were contributing sure sure that, okay that's no that's all right all right, all right. I'll, I'll overlook the andrew jackson implications <laughs> of that but dude, the the almighty leader says he isn't pleased with how fast the construction is going and that he needs a human sacrifice. And out of the literally tens of thousands of people on the ground at that moment, Moha gets picked up from the original group of people and gets thrown over an edge 30 feet to his death. Not even like a blood sacrifice, like Right. This yeah. is shitty, man. All he does is have a little more thoroughfare. I mean, uh, fan, I know. fanfare with Fanfare, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't get that, man. No, they just throw him over the edge off. of a rock and he falls out and he breaks his back and that kills him somehow. But, you know, besides the <laughs> point. So, dude, Delay and the leader of the second clan go to break into the prison and all they do is kill one guard and hop one wall and they're in. Like, this seems like a really, really shitty prison. <laughs> but also, I want to reiterate that these guys are somehow 9,000 years ahead of the Iron Age, and they have constructed a metal latticed prison cell, but can't build a roof on the said prison. <laughs> but dude, they, they, lift, they lift out of a hole in the prison yard a bald white man who happens to be the wisest man, quote unquote, who, quote, knew the gods, end quote. Right. Okay. So this is going back to the Eurocentric stupidity. All right. White guy, blue eyes gets pulled out and they're like, oh, that's different than all the indigenous people. So obviously this guy knew the gods. But granted, this dude looks like he has vitiligo, but this movie continually reinforces that whiteness is linked to divinity throughout this movie, which really pisses me off. But before they stick the blind white dude back in the ground, Delay sees his dad's bracelet on the dude, and it's revealed, of course, that his dad is a damn near mythical superhero and somehow <laughs> saved this guy's life, too. So Delay Delay runs back to his encampment, but how the fuck did he get back out of the prison that is on alert after finding the dead guard? Like, they have that scene where they wander across, they find the dead guard. But somehow he gets out and runs all the way back to his fucking encampment. But of course, Delay doesn't check to see if someone is following him in a featureless desert (laughs) on the brightest moonlit night Uh, I've ever seen. But of course, of course, none of these guys believe in checking the dead because one scout is just playing possum and stabs Cliff Curtis in the back, all because Cliff needs to pass the white spear to Delay. 
So essentially negating the scene at the beginning when he gives the spear to Cliff Curtis. So what was the fucking point of Cliff taking the spear back and kicking off this whole goddamn chain of events with like, oh, you can't have her, blah, 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 blah. You owe me the spear back. You lied. But, you know, simply so we could have this turnaround scene. That's the whole point of this fucking like. Well, now, now he's earned it through all of his trials and tribulations. Now right, he, right. he can now truly he accept the spear. Plus the guys who's carrying it died. So, you know, <laughs> unless they just want to leave it on the ground, then he should probably pick it up. <laughs> He's the best thing. Right, best obviously. <laughs> but Evelyn is stuck with the deep-voiced rapist who claims because he set her free, he has a claim to her body. But he happens to have his weapons on him and she steals a dagger in a fake-out scene as the deep-voiced guy gets arrested in a cri- or in a crisscross with the first rapist because irony <laughs> <laughs> but some some alien some alien Atlanteans approach her to reclaim the dagger and they see whip marks on her hand that just so happen to form their most precious religious marking so now she's chosen too because coincidence and superstitious indigenous people again but besides point you know, this is one of the big problems that I have with this movie is, like, the marks on the back of her hand. Because it's like, wow, like, what are the fucking chances? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe this is just me, like, being an atheist and, like, a skeptic. You know, maybe it is, like, the whole thing about, oh, well, obviously it was fated, Gabe. You know, like, obviously the fucking gods are out looking for it or whatever. But... It's, that kind of shit just pisses me off, but her hand mark happens to be in the same configuration as the stars they are using as a guide on their map. Talk about providence in this whole <laughs> goddamn situation. But I like how the alien Atlantean that, that language... That is tight script writing right there. Oh, Ooh. sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. All comes together. <laughs> <laughs> I like how the alien Atlantean language is a lot of lines said while breathing in. It's just like this. <laughs> and like, that's the fucking like language. It's pretty fucking funny, actually. Yeah, it's pretty good. But now we need to have Delay give his big unity speech because every epic needs this moment. Otherwise, how would we know that they were supposed to fight together without the speech? You know, like obviously. they got to have a slave uprising, obviously. Yeah. Well, they, they're not even slaves. I mean, he's speaking to all of the, the tribes that he's gathered. They needed the, the Independence Day speech moment, which still gets me all riled up. You know, <laughs> God damn America. Today, Today we celebrate our, our Independence Day. <laughs> yeah. fucking kill some aliens. No, it is still a good speech. I won't talk a lot of shit about that. As much as I like, as much as I talk shit about that movie, like the speech is good, and Bill Pullman does a good job with it. But that's all I'll give it. You know, him punching the alien and saying "Welcome to Earth" is like too much for me. That's where I check out, dude. They start the rebellion by freeing the mammoths, just as Karen. Yes, Karen is the guy's name. <laughs> the guy who has competed for Evelyn in the beginning has his sacrifice moment, complete with slow motion death and dramatic music. No. Why is there always a fucking scene like this where one guy runs off with a club or a hammer or a sword or whatever, <laughs> and everybody else is just standing there like, oh, look at that guy. Like, you know, it's not a <laughs> sacrifice it's like if, if you were seeing this in real life paul like you're in the middle of like this giant struggle and this one asshole runs off in order to be the hero you're like fuck him dude like he deserves whatever he gets fuck him you know you wouldn't be like oh my god 
die. I would just hang back and watch it happen, you know, and be like, okay, <laughs> now let's all form a chain and a line so that way we can actually, like, I don't know, fight against these fucking motherfuckers <laughs> rather than run off one at a time doing dramatic death scenes. <laughs> but, but now we are greeted with a mammoth stampede scene that somehow unites the entirety of the slaves in their cause. Like, the, okay, so communication during a riot doesn't travel very quickly. That's all I got to say, you know, but all of a sudden they see these mammoths running and all of a sudden everybody that's a slave realizes that this is an uprising, an uprising and that they're all going to get behind it. Not that this is, I don't know, maybe an isolated incident of violence, but everybody decides that they're going to just like go for it and fuck it. If we die, we die. So they're all planning it the whole time. Obviously. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> But they lead the charge with literally thousands of men in charge. The charge stops because Evelyn is being set up to be drawn and quartered, or he can go home and take the woman, but the slaves have to go back to work. Yeah, I love how he just yells out and everyone can hear him over the charge of people in berserker blood rage. I'm right. escaping my slavery right. mode, and they all stop because <laughs> they're going to be negotiating now. <laughs> right, right, right. Because of some woman. Who gives a fuck? Right. Just yeah. Kill everyone. But I know, dude. Sort it out later. <laughs> <laughs> Delay Delay accepts the offer and tells all of his followers that he wants to take only one type of slave, not all of them, like just a particular group of slaves. But looks like the best bet is to just let the girl die at this point. Like fuck her, you know, like <laughs> He's got more people to worry about behind him. One girl gets fucking drawn and quartered big whoop, you know? Well, that's where it all comes apart. You're like, oh, shit. He just betrayed all those people just for just for I some know. snatch there. Yeah. God damn, that was cold, dude. <laughs> but then they all, like, they all unite after he realizes yeah. he could double cross. And I'm like, no, dude, fuck that guy, man. He was trying to sell us out for some trim. Fuck that guy. <laughs> I mean, they should have thrown a Traded spear us back, back to slavery. God damn, man. That's Fuck fucking up. cold, dude. <laughs> like, that's the coldest thing that you can do, man. But, you know, but just then, Delay decides to kill their deity, a white guy that continues the attack. But somehow the heroes don't draw and quarter Evelyn. Like, there's the whole moment about him, like, throwing the spear in slow motion and, like, hitting the guy. <laughs> and he rolls down the stairs. And, like, they just killed their, like, deity slash, like white supremacist leader but they don't like just say okay you know what fuck it like send the horses and rip this girl apart you know yeah. take something yeah. from him since he took something from us that's what i don't get but yeah whatever this turns our hero's objective to saving his slam piece rather than leading the rebellion all of a sudden but now and only now evelyn finally decides to fight for herself by stabbing her deep-voiced rapist. As she runs to Delay's arms, rapist shoots her in the back with an arrow. But Delay, rather than, like, I don't know, yell that she's a dumb bitch, he yells out, <laughs> No! <laughs> in slow motion so he can have a mano a mano with the dude. But then he looks like he stabs him in the dick with his white mace part of his spear. That's why I didn't get about this whole fight scene, is that, like, he's having the mano oh, yeah. a mano... And he like does something where he jams it down, and I'm like, did he just stab him in the testicles? Like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it does because it, like <laughs> the framing of the shot shows it like going past down his chest where the shot ends. You're like, well, I guess he, yeah, jabbed him in the bladder, or the dick, or something. 
speared we his all balls know into the... we all know not to shoot someone in the dick that's just i know man it's just common courtesy we all know that <laughs> you never shoot a guy in the dick man <laughs> but one arrow in the back is enough to take Evelyn down apparently but when she is dying and says you came for me all i can think of is that's what she said or the archer <laughs> joke phrasing <laughs> You came for me. Phrasing. <laughs> <laughs> but Delay, Delay wanders off and has a glassy moment with the woolly mammoth only to reveal that when old mother's last breath leaves her, it enters Evelet. So is it her? Is it old mother's spirit now in Evelet and now he's going to bang old mother? Is that what we're to believe? Or <laughs> I, I'm confused on what's happening here. Yeah. But, I, I don't know. I didn't get the whole thing where old mother, they just had to intercut between old mother reacting to all of the perils that they're in throughout the mm -hmm. whole movie and just like, shut the fuck up. No one gives a shit about this woman. <laughs> now, let's move on. But suddenly she sacrifices her spirit. And... What happened to the arrow hole in the girl? Like, did that just heal up? I guess it healed and like okay. somebody pulled the arrow out. That's what I don't get. Is that like okay. the arrow is still in her back but like her life force <laughs> comes back and like magically the arrow is out or something and the hole seals up or whatever. I don't fucking get it but the leader of one clan gives Delay corn kernels in order to feed his people after the big fight scene and it's it's not like a bag of kernels but literally like a handful of kernels handful. in order for him to go feed it's gonna save your his people. Yeah. <laughs> and that's supposed to feed the yeah. entirety of his human beings like how yeah. how the fuck is that supposed to save a civilization especially in the like tundra i mean yeah corn doesn't I know. How do you, how the fuck you, what the fuck man <laughs> also also they show highly domesticated corn even though it looks like uh, kind of like wild corn but corn didn't even exist like ten thousand <laughs> years ago it's you know thousands of years of work and domestication to bring it right. to what we right, have right. today Right. And also is a new world thing, you know, from Mexico. <laughs> so they didn't right. have one there either. Same with the chili peppers that they show early in the movie for a fucking sight <laughs> gag of him choking on hot chilies. Those are also a new world thing and they didn't fucking have right. them in Africa or the Middle East or wherever. So fuck you, Roman Emmerich, for your stupid joke. It's not even well, historically accurate, you fucking <laughs> Uh, but the narrator says they began their long journey back, but it takes like 30 seconds for them to get home. <laughs> they're just like, all of a sudden yeah. they're there. And the last line, the last line is, quote, and so it was that the promise of life was fulfilled, end quote. What was the point of the whole journey? To get corn? Is that what I'm to understand? <laughs> like, because, I mean, even Evelet, man, like, Evelet, as much as she's, like, important to delay and whatnot and, like, the old mother connection angle or whatever, like, the promise of life isn't that we see that he banged Evelet and he has kids. It's that he has corn growing. Like, yeah. so all this was over corn. That's what you're telling me. Like, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> After all of the shit that he's seen you think he would really like move back to the fucking frozen wasteland tundra? That's where his people yeah. are, man. But the, the whole reason they're there that they were there is because of the mammoths, and now the mammoths are gone. <laughs> and so, what the fuck is the point of living in that shithole? <laughs> they're gonna be to vegetarians plant, now, man. To they're gonna eat corn. corn. They died one generation later. They're all yeah. wiped out from malnutrition. I know. <laughs> the end. That's that's the end of the story right there. <laughs> 
But you know, I I know I know I still don't know who the goddamn narrator is supposed to be because they don't even like prep like do a post like sort of credit scene that he's like delay as an old man or whatever. But I know Omar Sharif. I know that this is Omar Sharif, and that it's a goddamn travesty on its own that he was involved with this thing. But goddamn. Who is he supposed to be? Like a historian who's telling us how it is? Like, is that the fucking point of this goddamn narration? Or is it, I don't know, maybe to fill the gaps of your stupid <laughs> fucking screenplay that doesn't make any fucking sense. So that way it feels like it's more complete. I mean, imagine cutting out Omar Sharif's like entire voiceover and how this movie would play. You'd be sitting there like, what the fucking shit is happening? Like, all of a sudden, these people are just like here and then going over there, and I don't know what the fuck is going on. It's just all for the exposition, and it fucking drives me nuts, dude. I'm trying to think of what, like, biblical epic or whatever, like, old style epic movie they may have been copying this from. I think uh, Ben Hur has a narration, like, That's in what I was small say. parts. Just like uh, I don't remember, it's been it's yeah. been so long since I've seen Ben Hur. But Ben Hur takes entirely like the point of view of Ben Hur is entirely from the Charlton Heston character, yeah. and like Charlton Heston, if I remember correctly, is doing the narration at the beginning and the end of that movie. So it's his point yeah. of view throughout the whole fucking. Maybe it thing. doesn't have narration. I don't know if I can remember. I don't know. It's been so goddamn long <laughs> yeah, since yeah. Ben Hur, to be honest. And yeah, maybe we just need to refresh ourselves and watch the <laughs> the new one. You know. Right. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> I, so we've shit on this movie a lot, but I do want to say like the the costumes and the makeup and sure. a lot of the props are pretty cool. So sure. you know, props on those guys for putting that shit together. It looks cool. Yeah, yeah absolutely. There's a good good variety of uh, different kind of uh, costumes that you know you could look at them um, and you're like, oh yeah, those right. are the the Wapati tribe or whatever from. And it, and it's mostly movie. really well atmospherically shot. Like it's it's yeah. really well shot to be honest, but you know, it's it, there there are some moments where it's like, oh wow, that's bad green screen or whatever, but like, you know, overall it's a decent like, you yeah. know, shot movie. And also props on them for not doing the James Cameron thing and just copying the sound effects from Jurassic Park for the right. terror birds. Instead they had a guy like at a microphone going <laughs> So they made their own sound effects, which is good. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I mean the for sure. Fuck James Cameron. Fuck <laughs> Avatar. I'm glad that at least we can agree on the sound effects of Avatar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good. <laughs> All right. So, dude, uh, what what were you saying earlier? I remember that I said uh, something earlier in my opening that you me I mentioned a movie and you were like, oh, we should do that. And you were like really adamant about it. What movie was that? Deep Rising. Deep Rising. Yeah. You want? Yeah, so looking into next week, man, like, do you want to do you want to do Deep Rising or, uh, you know, what 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 feels what feels right for you next week? It's been a long, long time since I've seen Deep Rising, but I'm pretty sure I'm still going to really enjoy it when I watch it again. <laughs> so that should be a candidate future movie coming up. But Ben-Hur remake? We already did kind of a historical drama right, Sword thing. and Sandals, yeah. I mean, maybe we should uh, shift know. focus and see some really bad, like, biopic movie, you know, like... Um, biopic? Yeah, that'd be a good one. I mean, Amelia Earhart, the Amelia movie is pretty fucking bad, dude. Like, that... I don't yeah. know. It's it's is it's there more enough the... to uh, to give us like the flowing kind of diarrhea that we need for this podcast? <laughs> is it, I don't know. I don't is know. It more it's more of a, a meh movie. 
it's it's just it's really badly constructed and it's like poorly realized but i don't think that it's like non-stop where you're like what the fuck like what it what is happening <laughs> i'm trying to think of like a really bad biopic movie that was like that i don't want to shit on roland emmerich right away but like you know uh fucking uh stonewall was like that for me i was just like yeah. wow you really fucked this up like the mm. story of the most important like protest in new york city's history in 1969 you fuck that up to the point that it's just like what what are you making man like what movie is this is this for white straight people or is this to represent your community like it was really painful to watch but i'm trying to think of like a bad biopic movie i mean i didn't like I really didn't like uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, but I thought that Remy Malek was great in it, you know, as Freddie Mercury. But I didn't like the movie. What specifically, overall. didn't you like about that? Because I thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. So my biggest problem that I have with it is that they sort of paint Freddie Mercury as being like this really strong, like gay man. But like Freddie Mercury's whole thing was is that he's bisexual. Like that was mm. fucking Freddie Mercury's whole goddamn thing. And to like just kind of belabor that point into him being like, oh, I got married for the wrong reasons blah 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 and like i'm actually gay it was like a huge betrayal of freddie mercury uh, in that point uh, and that pissed me off but it was also the fact that it's like horrifyingly edited <laughs> like there's just so much bad editing in that movie and you know i i don't know man i mean waiting until the very end in order to give me like a good queen concert scene the rest of it it was just kind of i mean if you asked me what an individual scene was in that movie i could only tell you two things and the first one is is that the really bad cafe scene where they get offered the contract that's edited like shit <laughs> and then the uh the end scene where he's like you know singing on stage that's the only <laughs> two that i could remember everything else just kind of like blurred together for me because it's just like i i don't really care about what's going on other than that like remy may like is great but everything else i don't give a shit about on top of the fact my biggest problem with that movie is like a personal problem is that i fucking hate that director because that director uh what's his name Brian Singer. Brian Singer, like, you know, he did the uh, he did the X-Men movies and whatnot. Yeah. But Brian Singer He's got is a, like a colorful uh personality, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> like that he is a fucking pedophile and that there yeah. have been many accounts of him like abusing small children and boys and stuff like that that are yeah. underage at his at his fucking like mansion, but like nobody's done the Harvey Weinstein thing towards him yet or the Kevin Spacey thing towards him. And I'm like, how the fuck is Brian Singer still working, <laughs> man? Like I got a real problem with that. But you know, on top of the fact that he's like a celebrated director now because of that movie. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Uh uh man, you know, fuck him. <laughs> yeah. I guess it depends on if you can, if you think we could fill a podcast with. I mean, I got to think of like a really bad biopic movie, something that was like really fucking terrible. I mean, it's not a bad movie, but like A Beautiful Mind is not accurate in like any way since <laughs> yeah. like to yeah. his actual story. I think that movie's oh, too dude. good to like fill up a podcast with. Though. Wait, what? What, what about The Pursuit of Happiness? I have a lot of problems with that movie. Which one is that? That's the that's the uh, Will Smith one where he's like the destitute <laughs> father that's taking care uh, of the kid that like becomes a stockbroker that makes like tons of money. And then the actual story was he abandoned his kid or he what was it? 
Bernie's kid, yeah, and the, like the baby mama had to sue him for 15 years in order to get any money out of him because he just he literally left his son on the street corner and walked the fuck away from his kid and left his kid to like, oh well, the police or the FD or the fire department will pick him up, you know, whatever, fuck him, and like went off and did his own thing because Chris Gardner is a piece of shit. Fuck you, Chris Gardner. But you know, I mean, that's a uh, that that one is one of the only biopic movies that I can say yeah. really pissed me off to the point that I was it's, just like, ah, uh, is nah. Alexander, dude? <laughs> yes, oh my god, <laughs> uh, Alexander is a good a good option, man. Like as much yeah. as I don't want to sit through that movie again, like I have never been that horrified with a movie in a really long time. Where I was just like, yeah. I know how the fuck that went so badly man like mm-hmm. oliver stone's a great director and like to see him shit that out was just so fucking painful i don't know that's that's a good yeah. option we'll have to I, think I just about don't it. know if, i don't know if i can sit through the three and a half hour version of alexander because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i i would really like to see that version as much as i don't want to sit through that like all i've ever seen was the three hour version that we saw in theaters you know yeah. and never uh, the three and a half hour version that is like floating around out there. Supposedly, I mean, Oliver Stone says that he unfucked a lot of the problems that were in the theatrical version with the three and a half hour version, but I, yeah. I really don't know, man. It's it's impossible for me to believe that. What Silver Streak you wrote on here is that something that you think that you shit on? I thought you enjoyed. No, Silver no, Street. I love that movie actually. <laughs> I don't know. What about a what about a horror flick, man? We haven't really done a horror movie. Yeah, does Deep Rising count? I don't know, man. Deep Rising, like I, I feel like that's more of like an action slash yeah. thriller flick. Yeah, right, right. But there's like there's Dreamcatcher with Morgan Freeman with the uh, with the ass aliens that shoot out of people's ass. That's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty entertaining. <laughs> Pick just about any movie that's based on a Stephen King book, and <laughs> except if it's Frank Darabont, then it's gonna be pretty much a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a bad one. Oh wait, uh, we didn't really do like a sports movie yet. Well, I guess yeah, yeah. I guess like you know, Speed Racer is like sort of a sports. Yeah, movie. yeah, that's kind of their sports movie-ish thing. Uh, Blindside pissed me off. That's a good option. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Well, let's think about it. I got to yeah. take a piss, so uh, let's wrap this up. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, guys. Thanks for joining us once again. I am Gabriel Chavez, and I'm Paul Schendel. Thanks, I really guys. need to piss here. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night, guys. Thank you.